Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Schmelk, Fiegel's with you. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. We were here working. The Giants had two more training camp practices over the weekend. Both of them the first two padded practices of training camp. And we'll talk about them with you right here. Again, 201-939-4513. That's the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. If you want to tweet us on Twitter, I'll keep an eye on that as well. Mr. Fiegel's, how was your weekend, buddy? Pleasant. Very pleasant. Yeah, because you weren't here. Because I wasn't here. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But the, the team was, you know, practice full, full pads. Ooh, ooh. Sounds, sounds like football to me. Yeah, well, see. That's how you know I'm talking to a punter, folks, where the full pads mean nothing Still to him. So I had to wear them. I had to wear them. That was, the, that was the worst thing about them is having to put them on, you know. But uh, it's exciting because, the, you know, the guys, when you talk about full pads and the real football guys, they get excited about it because they finally are going to start to hit and they're going to start playing some football, and that's what those guys are paid to do. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. I don't know if we've had a show. At least I wasn't on it since the Golden Tate um, mm -hmm. suspension landed, and we'll see what happens when he appeals it and, and all that goes down. But, Jeff, the big story is the wide receiver position, so I guess we should start there before I give you some of my observations from practice over oh, the weekend. Boy. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, I think you boy. put it kind of well. The Giants since have added T.J. Jones and Amba Etatawo for the folks that haven't I've heard the here. news. Uh, Sterling Shepard is out for a couple more weeks probably uh, with a fractured thumb. Now, the good news is that, and when I heard about a fractured thumb, I'm like, oh, boy, thumb's going to be tricky if you get it down by the joint. In this mm -hmm. area down here, there's a lot of bones and moving parts. But luckily, he fractured just a tip. So it's just the very top of the thumb. So they're saying that should only be a, a couple weeks before he can start catching passes. How did he do that? Just catching a pass. Was it really? Yeah, that's all it was. Um, and they think he'll be back to – be a participant in practice before the regular season. I saw him catching passes one-handed. Yeah, he was doing that. <laughs> and, and and in drills, he's out there because he wants to stay in shape, right? Of course. So he's in there in the one-on-ones and stuff in the drills running routes and throw a tennis ball at him instead of a football. And he catches the tennis ball with his good hand. That's good. So That's good. he's out there. They, I don't know if they'll use him in a preseason game just out of precaution, but I don't have many, if any, concerns about no week one, and neither does Coach Shermer or Sterling Shepard. So that's the good news. The bad news is that Corey Coleman tore his ACL out for the year. Yeah. Bad. It's a shame. Everyone had nothing but great things to say about the job he did over the course of the spring and how he's become more serious, learning the playbook and all that sort of stuff. And the other, Darius Slayton, tweaked his hamstring right before regular practice began. We don't know. He hasn't been in uniform Hamstrings for wide receivers and speed guys can mm. be tricky. Fair. And then you had the kicker, which was the Golden Tate suspension. You guys saw his statement. It was related to him taking fertility drugs and, and things of that nature. He self-reported, and the hope is that it will allow the NFL some leniency, though in the past they've always been more of a, <laughs> yeah, it, it, a very strict enforcement of the performance-enhancing drug rule. So we'll see about that. We should know about that. Um, within a couple weeks, I would think, depending on when the hearing is held, then there's a time frame in terms of when uh, that decision gets rendered, and that would theoretically be the first four games of the year. So That's when, a tough it, one. when it rains, it pours, uh, but Coleman's the bad news, and then if Tate does have to miss regular season games, it's not great. No, it's not. And, you know, the NFL is, has to be strict when it comes to these P PEDs because I'll tell you, if, you, if you're lenient with one person – you're going to have to be lenient with the other. And so, once they find a loophole, everyone's going to try to take advantage of that, it. That is correct. So I, I don't know. That's not good news. Um, but if you're from an organizational standpoint, you have to you have to say to yourself, he's gone. 
four games, right, John? I mean, you just sit there. I, I got it. I, you I'm, have to prepare. I that have way. to prepare yes. for it. So they went that out and got correct. some camp legs, in my opinion, who the guys that they brought in. Those are guys that you know have a chance to maybe make the team. But now, um, T.J. Jones is a guy that has five years of experience. He doesn't have a lot of playing time in the NFL, but he has been in the league. And Amba Etatawo was somebody that was here last year, who knows and he the, has one year of experience. And he has no. Yeah. He knows the playbook. And, okay. and Damari Scott too. He's another guy that's been a recent addition. I should have mentioned Britton Golden, who another also got receiver. Hurt. He was a groin uh, and he is out for some period of time listen well, I, so. I and john you know this too i'm just gonna with all the listeners if you are a guy that's buried on the depth chart and, all, and then you get hurt you're in a lot of trouble you're just gonna bury yourselves more and more and more and they always say you can't make the club win the tub right if you can if you're in that training room now listen these guys aren't trying to get hurt and it's very unfortunate when it does happen and the giants by the way have been very good since they brought in uh, Aaron Wellman sure. and their new strength and conditioning well, said they have not had a lot of soft tissue injuries. That's right. And a few years ago, that was the big buzzword, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to put the GPS on these guys. We're going to have to monitor them at practice. So and there is some evolution here that's happening that's, that's actually going well for them. And for the most part, it has worked. But this is just, you know, hamstrings and, and stuff are, are tough and groins and things like that. And Sam Beal on the other side of the ball also battling a hamstring slash groin. All the guys, the hamstrings, like you, you, you very rarely see an offensive lineman with a hamstring injury, well, right? Run in a straight <laughs> it's line. It's just very these quickly, guys that yes. are so powerful and quick that it's a tough. It's it, it's hard. Those things are just you know their legs are fast and their muscles and um, but you know it gives a good opportunity for some of these guys that, that normally would may have been the fifth or sixth. Now they're up at third and four, and they can maybe try to help themselves make the team. All right, l- let's assume for a second Shepard's going to be back for the regular season. And okay. Tate's not going to be there. All right. Well, let's just okay. What's the impact? How do you handle it? Who are your guys to step in, Jeff? Uh, you know, just how do you think the Giants should handle and will handle that issue if it does in fact come to pass? Listen, it's the next man up. Who are your guys? Who's your slot guy? Okay. Who's your going to be outside? Shepard's an outside guy, right? Well, I mean, he, he but he can't move into the slot right. if the guys you're bringing in there you want to use outside. But so, who are the guys you're bringing in to play outside? Well, I mean, you've got you got guys that were here last year. Remember at the end of the season what what Coach Shermer said about that wide receiver group? He likes every single one of them. I can't keep them all. Well, he brought a lot of them back. Benny Fowler is a guy that really showed some good promise at the end of the season or even during the season was so you got to have him in the mix right mm-hmm. Cody um, Latimer in the mix Cody Latimer a veteran uh, a guy who's played well he was had a little, he was hurt last year a little bit but hamstring missed almost hopefully eight games he, he I think. could uh, come back and so those are your guys right there you got Russell Shepard mm-hmm. okay so another guy who's got experience in this offense played last year there's your guys and then, of course, Darius Slayton, I don't know, you know, coming out of camp and OTAs, he was a, a hot commodity. And if he, if hopefully if what's happening with his hamstring isn't serious, he can get back in. This is a great opportunity for that young man. And he needs to get back on the field. Because Quickly. for rookies to miss a lot of time is never a good thing. Yeah, and you want to you have some, some reps in those preseason games. Right. And that's when you're going to get him at being a rookie. Um, you know, there's certain grades of hamstring injuries, and you hope that this one that he has, or any of them for that matter, or just one that they can maybe a week or two here. But, you know, you look at these hamstrings, they linger, and you know that. And it just depends on where it's at. Some of them have a high hamstring, like up towards your butt. That's the big one because that's where that big muscle is. So those are worse. The ones those that are, are the worse to the knee isn't as bad. Yeah, because okay. those are, yep. The, the higher one is the, that's, those are the ones that linger because that's really like their engine, you know, back there. That's where they're getting all their speed mm. and, 
Okay, interesting. So for me, then you're talking about on the other. This is again, this is purely speculation. Oh, yeah, this, we're not doctors. purely speculation. <laughs> so Sam Beal, where it's a hamstring slash groin, the groin's always a little bit higher in the leg. Mm-hmm. So if it's in that area, that's probably not as good from from your player perspective. Well, it depends on what like hamstring slash groin. Now that's you're talking thing. about and, in, in, like yeah. And, and the team said it was hamstring initially. Then it got revised back to groin. And then Shermer said. It's both. So <laughs> it's one of those things. It's one of these. It hurts here and yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, and he needs to get back on the field too because he's a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. And as DeAndre Baker's taken over that number one's corner uh, behind Jenkins, but then after that, it, it's still kind of up for grabs a little bit. And Haley's in there in the mix, right? Haley's done a good job in the slot. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and they're using Julian Love, by the way, all over the place. He's been at safety with the twos and How's the slot. How's he looked at safety? Outside. I haven't had a chance to see him. I've been, only been read, I haven't been out to practice yet, guys. I apologize for that, but I've been reading a lot about and I know that he's been swapping back yeah, and forth. Yeah, I mean, I, my sense is that he knows where he's supposed to be. His instincts are pretty good. I have not singled out to watch him on a lot of snaps. I'm going to start kind of doing that this week now. Right. But from what I could tell, he's done a pretty good job everything they've asked him to do and I know he's a very smart player, not a surprise being from Notre Dame. I know you love those Notre Dame guys, Jeff. Yeah, there's some smart guys so. come out of there. <laughs> Just a few, not all of them. But I think that part of the game is coming along. And I yeah. think he's somebody that they see long-term as that starting safety. And you go to nickel, you can put him in the slot. And those type of guys are invaluable to have on your roster. And they, they are. And versatility, and the more you can do, the, the better off you are. Okay? And that's, that's, that's a prime example of that. All right, a couple notes. This is kind of stuff that I've noticed from practice, folks. If you've seen it in my practice reports, go to Giants.com after practice every day, and uh, you will see my in-depth sometimes two pages worth of notes from practice from what I saw and noticed and what I thought was significant over the course of the day. A few things I'll mention just kind of off the top, and then if you guys have more questions, feel free. We have full phone banks right now, but as we go through callers, get in or send in your tweets at hashtag GiantsChat. I will give you my takes on what I've seen from practice over the last couple of days. I'll focus on what I've seen in padded practice because I think that's obviously a lot more significant. Those are the practices on Saturday and Sunday. Dexter Lawrence mm, is I was a just gonna ask monster. Yeah. Uh, he can move. I, I put this in my Cover 3 article today. I'm not sure if it's up yet on Giants.com. When a defensive lineman you have is at the same time your biggest defensive lineman and your most athletic defensive lineman, that's a real good, that's a real good sign. Yeah, the other thing and too— And that's what Dexter Lawrence looks like to me. The one thing that I like about Dexter Lawrence, other than his size and his speed— is his awareness of the throwing lanes with quarterbacks. He knocks a lot of footballs down. And I don't know if he's been doing it at practice, but at Clemson he did. And he has those eyes that he gets. He knows exactly where the quarterback is throwing that football, and he's such a big dude anyway. You watch for that this year. He'll have a lot of batted balls at the line of scrimmage. There was a play that got some oohs and ahs even from a couple of Giants coaches on the sideline that I noticed the other day. They ran an end around for Russell Shepard, and Dexter Lawrence has gotten upfield a little bit. He's trying to penetrate. That's what he's supposed to do, right? The kid pivots, puts his foot in the ground, flips his hips, runs back up field, and almost tracks Shepard down from behind at 340 freaking pounds. <laughs> yeah, I saw a clip on Giants.com. We were just watching some of the film, and um, he did a spin move on somebody. It was Jalapio. Jalapio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a guy it, that big should not be able to do that. That's sort what of stuff. the caption I think was. It, it was like you know, a guy this big should not be able to. But yeah, that was mine. That was yours. <laughs> I okay. retweeted it and I okay. put that up there. That's the, maybe I saw it on Twitter. Um, but it's going to be fun to watch that man. But you're right. He kind of reminds me a little bit. Now I don't get the comparison isn't exact. But reminds me a lot of Chris Canty, big dude, right? Okay, athletic. I can see that. 
Okay, I think that, yeah. that that Dexter Lawrence is very, very much more athletic. He than might Chris actually Canty. be a little bit of a looser athlete than Canty. That's sure. what I was going to say. Sure, but the size mm-hmm. and just the just the overall presence of him is very impressive. Uh, offensive line wise, you see a pretty obvious difference yeah. when Solder and Remmers are in the lineup mm-hmm. as to when they're not. Sure. And look, they're not pro, they've never made Pro Bowls. But they're veterans. But they know what they're doing, yeah. and the pocket's a whole lot cleaner when they're out there. And they're, you know, they started giving, or at the start of camp, gave up some of those first team reps to other guys as they've kind of worked back from their mm-hmm. injuries. Remmers, the back surgery. Solder, the ankle surgery. They didn't really do anything in the spring. But once the pads came on, you see a material difference with those two guys in the lineup as opposed to when they're not in the lineup. What are you seeing at the center position? I know that that's, a, that's a, probably a very fierce competition I between Coley and Jalapio. watched it closely enough to give you a good, educated opinion. And have you heard from people in the, you know, around anybody talking about it yet? Not yet. Nothing yet. I, and Zeitler? I, I, is, uh, Zeitler's awesome. Yeah. He's really good. I'll tell you what you're going to – I'm going to enjoy watching, and, and I always have. When you have a veteran offensive line and you got some – you got some mean sticks in there. And what I mean by mean guys, I mean, you look at Hernandez and Zeitler. Those guys are, those are mean dudes. And I was talking to Eli a few weeks ago. We were at a golf tournament together and I was asking him about that offensive line. And I said to him, what do you, what do you like most about this kind of revamped, if you want to call it? And he says, I like, I like when you have really two nasty guards. You need two guards that, that are said? mean. That's interesting. And he said to me, if you remember, his two guards were Chris Snee and, and Soiber. And who were the two guys that always got in the scrums at training camp? There you go. So <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really I'm excited about that. I think that and I think that Eli is too, because obviously he wants two guys that are feisty in there. Um, and then you have two veteran tackles on the outside. I sensed at the end of the last practice we were close to a scuffle. Oh. At, at one point I turned to the person I was well, how watching hot practice was with and I said, I think we're gonna have one before the end of practice. Never happened. We had some yelling and chatting back and forth. Guys hitting the ground. Uh, a lot more hitting. Too early. But it was hot. Mm-hmm. It was in the low 90s. But it wasn't the longest practice in the world. Because I think they're trying to, because of all the injuries of wide receiver, they yeah. have to kind of limit some of the reps that they're doing. Still. But it, I thought we were going to have the first one. But I, pr- I promise you, when they come back, and they're off today, by the way, folks, because you can't practice more than four straight days in camp with the new NFL rules. They'll be practicing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. My guess is on Wednesday. We're All right, so let's do something. this. Let's do this. Let's let's see. Okay, so I want your um, give me your one two offensively. Who's going to get in a fight? And your oh, one Will two. Oh, Hernandez, easy. Number one, he's your number one guy. Number one, no. And question. then uh, and Kevin next, Zeitler. Well, it's got to be an offensive lineman. Right? No, I'm saying those. I'm tell yeah. me your offensive line. Your first I, two. I, I, yes, I think those are my first two. Okay, and now on defense, give me the two defensive linemen that you think are going to go up. BJ Hill almost got into a Mike Remmers actually during one on one. That's 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 kind of cool. So BJ Hill, I young, think young guy against I a think, little older veteran. I think BJ Hill would be in that mix. You know who actually was also getting very aggressive on a couple McIntosh? of plays, and 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 the defense didn't like it. Nick Gates, the guard out of Nebraska, he was another guy that was kind of doing a little bit extra, you know, trying to finish plays <laughs> as Pat Fly finish. And he was trying to do some of that, and some of the defensive guys maybe didn't love that so much. Yeah. So he's yeah. another guy I put on my uh, offensive okay. list. All right. BJ Hill, um, I've you know Dexter Lawrence. It seems like such a jolly guy. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be him, but I think he probably has. Well, a bit BJ of a Hill got too. into it a couple times last year, so I would say BJ Hill was number one on my defense okay. list right now. Okay, that's what I would say. 
All right. And you know what? Last year we didn't get to see a lot of Macintosh because he was hurt and you know, he's, he's in the mix this year now too. Yeah. So been playing pretty good from what I've been reading. Couple um, other, yeah. A mm-hmm. couple other guys real quick. Um, Eli Manning, I think has been pretty sharp. I think he's been sharper than Jones. I know some people haven't decided to write that, but that's in my opinion. Um, he hasn't thrown a lot of deep throws. Eli, he's thrown a couple. He missed one. They hit a couple. Uh, him and Cody Latimer have developed some nice chemistry, zipping the ball into him, using his body to kind of shield the defender on short stuff. He's shown off pretty good arm strength. Daniel Jones, I don't think, has been as consistent in the short to intermediate area as he was in the spring, but he's thrown a really pretty deep ball. I think he's been really good with that. Well, so, things get a little bit quicker in training camp. Well, and, and that's what I want to watch. And we talked about that with Jones, right? How he doesn't really have a big hole in his game, but some of his decision-making and what he yeah. did when he had kind of stuff going on around him in the pocket at Duke. Sometimes you're like, you know, maybe here or there, you know, you worry about a couple of those things. So I think seeing how he does that in a noisy pocket in practice might, you know, look ahead and foreshadow a little bit what might happen when he's under pressure in games. One thing I like about Daniel Jones is, and any player for this much, is that if you go out and have a, you know, his first day from statistically was not good. Well, you, you know, whatever happened in one for a lot, whatever the people, you know, there's a Daniel Jones watch on Twitter every day. Somebody's marketing it, but he came back the next day and did very well. And by That's, the way, the day when they had that watch and one-on-ones, he was dropping dimes left and right, and but it wasn't during the team. So they don't count that during, you know, with the statistics. But I guess my point is that if you can, if you can come back and have a good day the following day, right. that means a lot to me from a coach's mm-hmm. perspective. Um, and you're going to see that from young players, no matter who they are. Um, they're going to do well one day, and they're going to do horrible the next, and you're going to see in the preseason games, too. We'll do, I mean, we the quarterback position, everyone wants to see Daniel Jones play. You mm-hmm. know, They want to see him play. So you're going to see him play in preseason. But that's probably about it. <laughs> 201-939-4513. It's all presented by Coors Light. Again, I will get to your tweets, I promise, at hashtag Giants Chat. So if any questions about practice, training camp, or anything else, get them in, and we'll get to your questions. But in the meantime, let's start off on line four. Pearson, and go to Duke and Queens. He's up first. What's up, Duke? Duke. Hey, what's up, guys? How are Thank you? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Thanks, pal. Um, the Golden Tate, I have two questions in the statement. My statement is this. The Golden Tate thing was a real big blow for me personally because I feel, I feel as though he, he's not going to – the appeal is not going to go through. And those first four, the first four games are pretty important. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty huge blow to a San Diego. Um, my first question is, um, what, what do you guys think is the ceiling for Dexter Lawrence and Sterling Shepard? Uh, my, my answer to that is I think Dexter Lawrence might be a more agile, quicker Haloti Nada. And then for Sterling Shepard, I think he might be a Julian Edelman if everything goes great. And uh, my, my second question is, what's your expectations for Lorenzo Carter this year? Because he's been looking amazing, and I just wanted to know. Thanks. No okay. problem. I see Shepard as more of an explosive slot guy. I appreciate the call. Thanks, man. Then I, I consider Elman more of a possession guy than mm-hmm. I do Shepard. So I see Shepard maybe more as a Randall Cobbish type slot guy, maybe. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I think Dexter. I think Haloni not is more of a run stopper, space kind of eater just, yeah. than Lawrence yeah. is. Yeah. The comparison I made. Somebody asked me on Twitter um, if they they compared him to who they compare him to Vince Wilfork, and my response was that mm. I think Wilfork was probably more of a space eater too. I compared him to prime Albert Hainsworth, where he's gigantic, but it, quickness. 
can you also use the quickness to rush the passer? Now, I said minus the crazy. I did put that in there as, <laughs> as part of the caveat because Albert Haynes was, was a little bit crazy. But that's the type of body. And someone asked, it, oh, is he like Aaron Donald? I said, no, nah, Donald's a lot smaller. He's only six foot. He was barely 300 pounds, and he's quick. Lawrence is gigantic and quick. So I wouldn't make the Aaron Donald comparisons either. It's hard because you, Dexter Lawrence, there isn't many people to compare him to because there isn't many people like him. Correct. I mean, he is a big dude. And not a not a fat dude now. No, I mean, no, you look no, at Hainsworth, no. you look at Anata, you look at these other guys, they, they got a little girth to them. Sean Rogers, those you, types of those guys. Those type mm-hmm. of guys, you know, Wolf Orc, yeah. But Lawrence, is he's just a big dude. He is a big dude. And then expectations for Lorenzo Carter is interesting. Look, they need him to be good. That's uh, right. Remember, they it's really his second year. So you want to see a jump in year number two from him, right? When I see him play, I still see a player that I think is almost better as a traditional 4-3 linebacker than as a pass rusher. He has every physical trait you want to be a pass rusher, and he's certainly a lot better doing that now than he was last year. But, dude, I see him cover Saquon Barkley sometimes and mm-hmm. stick with him. I saw him track down Golden Tate on an end around and run that dude down, a wide receiver. Yeah. Like, he, he read an Eli Manning screen pass and got an interception. I see these plays that he makes as a traditional off-ball linebacker. I'm like, boy. Uh, he is, because that's what he did at Georgia, right? And he's just really good at that stuff. Now, you would like double digit sacks. Hmm. I'm thinking more around seven plus or minus one or two in either direction. I'm not sure he's going to get to 10, but I think, I think Lorenzo Carter has an extremely bright future in this league as a linebacker, whether it's a 4 3 guy or a 3 4 guy, however you want to use him. He's very, very talented. I'll agree with you. I, I feel like he's more comfortable at the outside linebacker position, like you said, okay, than rushing the passer. I think that he's got the speed. He definitely has the strength. Length, too. He, he has to just learn how to be a pass rusher, um, and that's going to take time because those offensive linemen, the tackles in the National Football League, they know how to play guys like him, and so he's going to have to come up with his own repertoire and some of the tools in his toolbox to use on game day to help him. But as far as athleticism, covering tight ends and some of the backs out of the backfield, I love it. I mean, I watch him. He is smooth. So I think that he can have a big year, and I, I would give him – yeah, I would give him double digits. I just don't know where Coach Betcher is going to put him and how he's going to use him. And again, the, I, I'm not suggesting the Giants do this, folks. This is a theoretical question, and I don't think the Giants should do this because he has too much pass rush potential not to use him there. If at some point the Giants decide that he's so good off ball that that's, a, that's where they decide they want to use him, hmm. could you see him as an inside three-down linebacker in the 3-4? Could that work? Well, it all depends on if, if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing at the other position, why not? You know, could he hold up in there? You know, you got a lot of big people coming at you at middle linebacker. And he's, he's and you don't see a lot of six, six no. linebackers that play inside that are built that way. They're that just are not. Thin. No, they're, no got, they're not. They got to have some, you know, like Olga tree and, and he did and put on Goodson. 10, he put on 10 pounds of muscle in the off season, by the way. But yeah, he, he's just not the body type you're looking for for that. I mean, you look at Antonio Pierce and then you look at Lorenzo Carter. They look like they play completely different positions just mm-hmm. based on their body type. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, listen, let's just see where Betcher puts him and how he put in situational stuff, too. Who knows? 
Yeah. It's in, he's a he's he's going to be a good player though. Marcus Golden is another guy that I'm really intrigued to see how he plays this year. And a lot of, another guy that we have not talked much about is Avery Moss. Um, well, it's do or die for that dude this year, man. But just kind of you know in the back, just keep, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to line two, Jimmy and Rose Hill Pierce, and we'll take. All right, next. Jimmy. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, John. How are you? Good to talk to you, Jim. What's up? And uh, hey, Jeff, that was a great show with uh, with Paulie last week. Thank you, uh, uh, nice. John. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but somebody <laughs> called up and made a made a very compelling case to have Mr. Fiegels in the Hall of Fame, and I I second that nomination. Uh, awesome, wholeheartedly. I what got a great show. I got two votes. There we go. Was it your one of your sons or your <laughs> wife? <laughs> no, it was not hey, either. Hey, Jeff, before I get to John, but Jeff, <laughs> one quick question for you. You know, I, I've talked to you before, and and I know Joel Rodriguez. I know there's been a change down there at Miami. Did did uh, did Joel survive the uh, the purge down there? Do you know or not? I believe he did. I think he's. I believe oh. he's still there. Yes. Yep. All right, good. That, yep. that, that's good news. Yep. He's a good guy. Yep. By the way, by the way, Jeff, going out to Fordham the, guy, the right? Ticket holders are having their uh, their, their uh, day at training camp next Monday. Okay. And I'm taking my little grandson out with oh, me. Great. But uh, uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to meet again as we did at the town hall. Except I'll have a partner this time. <laughs> um, as far as the weather, I'm looking at. I'm looking ahead, and it's it's kind of dicey. Do the do do you just go out and take a chance? Do the Giants publish anything? In advance, uh, we're up here in northern Westchester, and that's a no. It's a big it's a drive to get out there. Now, it, it, if it looks obvious that it's going to be an right. absolute disaster, where right. in the morning it's already pouring, yeah. and they know it's going to pour all day, and the field's not going to be playable because of puddles, they'll call it early. Now, I'll be honest. Oh, okay. My understanding is, Jimmy, that does not happen very often. Does this field drain so well? Mm-hmm. If you get an hour window and it's so hot between the rain stopping and practice, they might practice outdoors anyway. And Pat Shermer has been known, even if it's a light rain, to sit out there and do practice. We, we've sat out there in the spring now at OTAs and practiced in light rain. And it might... Papers, I'm taking notes. They're all wet. My ink's leaking all over the place. It was a disaster. But, <laughs> but that's what he does. So, unfortunately... Weather's weather, as you well know, as we all well know, it's impossible to predict sometimes. So, unfortunately, and we've had fans complain about it before, and unfortunately there isn't much to do about it. It's a deal. You you come down and you hope. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right that's Sorry about there. that. I mean, that's understandable. Yeah. That, that's understandable. You know, it, um, I love. I mean, absolutely love the show. And I, what, I, what I don't understand, though, is at this time of the year especially, how so many – so, not everybody, but so many fans can call up, and all they're fine. They're they're like crepe hangers, you know. They're there's you know chicken little. The wall, the skies are gonna fall. If you can't be optimistic at, at you know at this time of the year, yeah. then um, I don't know. I feel a little sorry for you. Personally, I'm 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 optimistic about this year, and I stopped and thought about it. It actually represents an anniversary. It was uh, I was nine years old. It was 60 years ago that I went to my first game. And that's when the love affair started. We sat in the room, me and a buddy of mine. My father got us into the right field bleachers in the old Yankee Stadium. And nice. It was actually a pretty historical game. It's the Giants were up big on the Browns with about two minutes to go. Everybody in the right center field bleachers decided to uh, run on the field. And I've got these memories of Robustelli and Tad Cavage jumping into the crowd uh, with their fists cocked. And, and um, Bob Shepard and Tony get off the field, or the Giants are going to have to. We'll, we'll be forfeiting this game. <laughs> and three years later, we got the we got the season tickets, and 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 I'm optimistic. One guy I'm very optimistic about this year 
is, uh, and, and Jeff alluded to him, is this kid McIntosh. Mm-hmm. Somebody called up early, or yesterday, maybe it was a Friday, John, and said they would, um, I don't know if it was hot takes or bold predictions, whatever it is. And I think that this kid McIntosh is going to, if he's going to get more time than people are anticipating, and I think we're going to, he's going to be very active, and I can see maybe four or five sacks coming out of this kid. I watched the Redskin game down at D.C. last year where he got a significant amount of playing time, and he's big. He's got some quickness, um, and I just, I just think that, he's, that some people are sleeping on him, but I, although I have been reading some good things about him in camp. What have you noticed about him, John, in terms of, of how he's uh, – what he's doing. Notice, notice that he's from Miami, though. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. that. I know that. That's why I said that, Jeff. <laughs> yes, sir. Thanks for the gold, uh, Cole, Jeff. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you know, you. I have not noticed McIntosh a ton, and I do a pretty good job of trying to keep track of pressures and stuff like that. Um, I have not noticed him a lot more so than anybody else, but I know Paul Detino, Paul Detino was watching him a lot. He was all excited about him a couple days ago. So that's one of the guys I have in my list that I'm going to try to pay a little bit more, me- more attention to over the next couple of days. And, and guys, here's the real trick. I know a lot of people go out and watch practice like, oh, this guy looked good, this guy looks good, this guy looks good. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to tell you some guy looks great if I haven't gone out of my way to watch him because there could be things happening on plays. Like, you could have four or five straight pass plays, right? And the ball never goes in DeAndre Baker's direction. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not specifically watching DeAndre Baker, how the heck do I know how DeAndre Baker did on those snaps? Unless I'm going back and looking at the practice tape afterwards, which I don't have access to. So if they're throwing the other way, you know, DeAndre Baker could either be sticking to his guy so well they're not throwing to him, or maybe the play's just designed to go the other way, and Baker's playing terrible defense on the side of the field. <laughs> but I'm not watching it. I don't know. Yeah. So that's why I hesitate to, to give you an opinion on a specific guy if I haven't gone out of my way to watch him. And that's why... It's hard. There's a lot, of, a lot going on at practice. For everybody that makes these broad statements about what they're seeing at practice, about all these individual players, it's really hard to watch. It's not, let me take that back. It's impossible to watch everybody at the same time. It's it all, just is. It is, and it's also impossible to know the play and what the defense is calling, what his responsibilities that's are. Good point too. So you know that's just it all goes into it. And the only way we're going to get a true assessment of it is there was a coach and sitting here next to us saying, "How has DeAndre Baker been playing?" And he could say. Yay or nay or okay or whatever, but it is hard to say. You know, a lot of times when you go out there, you follow the football. Mm-hmm. That's mainly what a lot of people, how they right. learn to watch mm-hmm. football. It is very difficult if you do not know how to watch football the other, like another way. Don't watch the football. Watch the defensive lineman. Keep your eyes on that. Right. And it's and try it one time. If that that's if you're gonna if you're gonna really learn about football, you have to train your your eyes and your mind of how to watch a football game without following the football. You'll learn a lot more about football and the guys that are that are playing in the trenches and away from the ball. But that's the trick. And that and is the trick. Because you can't watch the ball but at the same time know what's going on in the offensive line. I mean you, you can't. Look, you might see if if like some guy gets pressure or something like that, but it's just, it's really, really hard. Yeah, it really and, is. And you, unless you say to yourself, okay, I am going to specifically for the next five plays watch this individual no matter what happens. I'm going to watch this, this individual drills. And then, by the way, what happens if that guy just happens to have four or five horrible plays? Oh, he's having a horrible camp. But otherwise, he's been really good. <laughs> exactly. How would you know? 
you don't. You That's don't. why the only guys that really know who's doing well in camp are the coaches. Because they sit there and literally, the, oh they God. don't put a grade on it, but they watch what every one of their players do individually on every snap in drills and in and in on, on in team portions of practice. So those are the only guys that really know, folks. I and do the best I can, but there's only there's only so much you can do. And the most, and I always say this, Jeff, and, and I know you're probably sick of me saying it. It's really important to understand and know a lot of stuff and have a lot of facts at your disposal and be yeah. informed. But it's just as important to know what you don't know and to admit what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times I think people don't like to admit that and they'll just say stuff and maybe they're giving the most informed opinion they can. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily an informed opinion. No you know fun. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You have no idea how much how much tape do these guys watch during during football season. I mean, the coaches, when the players go home, they're watching film, 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 film. Well, they, film they also film. review practice and meetings with the players every day, too. Absolutely. You, you, you install in the morning, you have your practice, and you watch the practice after, afterwards. And then you do it all over again. And then you have your individual meetings. And those are the team meetings where you have the defense breaks up in one area and the offense breaks up in the other. They watch it together, and then they break up individually and go to the Titans, go here. They watch all their stuff. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not I'm not going to say this when Paul's on the show, but his sleeper CJ Conrad's looked pretty good. Oh, the good tight for end. Him. Yeah, the tight end. He yeah. Has. I'm yes. not going to say that when he's here because he's going to get cocky, but I'll say it when All right. Here. Well, then that, that, that position is always is one of the areas that we always go to as far as numbers. How yeah. many are they going to keep? How are they going to do so? If he's making the team, um, well, you know Ingram's making the team and you know pretty much Red Ellison's making the team. So Correct. there's your three guys. What about Simonson? Do I mean, you keep four. We could keep four. What about Eli Penny? It's all good questions, Jeff. <laughs> 201-939-4513. It's all presented by Coors Light. We will play Did You Play With Jeff Fiegels later on in the show, so I'll tease that, oh, and we'll get to your Twitter going hashtag down Giants chat. Let's go to Mark in South Carolina. He's up next. Hey, Mark. Hey, actually, it's North Carolina. But... All right. <laughs> oh, Mark, Mark, I know you guys take that seriously down there. You have my sincere apologies. <laughs> yeah, um, but I am a Clemson fan, so... Okay. It works. But anyway, Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Evan Ingram um, is um, an interesting idea. On uh, um, what I was thinking is, is uh, maybe put him at wide receiver, and then that way you can keep the CJ Conrad thing going. You know, Mark, but it's anyway, funny. Mark, Mark, it's funny. Point. Real quick, uh, it's funny. Uh, a sales guy upstairs actually asked me that question this morning. I'm going to tell you the same same exact thing I told him. No. The value of Evan Ingram as a tight end is to get mismatches and to get him lined up on linebackers, get him lined up on safeties where he can make big plays and be a guy that's a mismatch problem for the defense. And mm-hmm. you can isolate on guys, and he's going to not just win, but win big for big plays. If you're putting him out right. there as a traditional wide receiver, those mismatches go away. Might he be a little bit bigger or stronger than some of these outside corners? Sure. But that's not going to pay dividends in big plays over the top. That's going to be possession stuff and things of that nature. So, to me, point. I want to keep him at tight end because of the mismatches he presents to defense. And right yeah. now, without Otto Beckham Jr., the Giants need as many players on this offense to provide mismatch opportunities as possible. That's why I want to keep Ingram at tight end. But I will say this. In the spirit of all these wide receivers being hurt, mm. I have no problem. I think last year the Giants finished about 25% 12 personnel. If you want to jump that to like 35 or 40 percent 12 Might personnel have and have Ingram to. and Ellison on the field as your primary offensive formation, boom, I'm fine with that. That's cool. 
Well, the other thing you have right. to worry. The other thing you have to worry about in that situation is that, you know, without uh, Tate or Shepard, possibly. Where do you think the Where do you think the people are gonna They're gonna focus on Evan Ingram. He's gonna be your target, and a lot easier to focus him on a wide receiver than tight end. There you go. Yep, that's right. Exactly but if where you bring C.J. Conrad in the mix, uh, uh, and then you have an Ingram all on the same time, you know, well, it'd yeah, be but, interesting. Yeah, but Mark, I don't think C.J. Conrad's a mismatch guy. He's looked good, but oh, he's. Okay. But I think Conrad's more of a two way player. He can block a little bit. And he can make some catches, but the same way Red Ellison can make catches. Now he's the younger Red Ellison. Yeah, Red Ellison's not a mismatch guy. You know what I mean? Right, okay. Well, main question I was actually going to bring up was about the, uh, you know, what you guys have been talking about last week, really. Um, uh, it's pretty much made the case for 18-game season not being a good idea because of, um, like, uh, you wouldn't want, like, two games where – are you still there? Yeah, yeah we're, we're with here. you, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, uh, where, where the two games, we wouldn't have, like, uh, first-team reps with uh, Daniel Jones, so he wouldn't be able to play too well in the two games that they would start him, let's say. And uh, and then as far as a consecutive start, uh, like, you know, Jeff or mm-hmm. uh, Eli Manning, you know, there just wouldn't be consecutive starts anymore, sure. you know, other than, you know. Yeah, I, 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 um, I don't really care as much about the consecutive start thing, but I do think if you're a season ticket holder – and you show up, and you're and you, let's say you're in in New England, and you're the Patriots. You expect to see, you know, Tom Brady, Brady and you show up, and it's not Tom Brady, and it's oh, who's their backup now? There is it is it is it Hoyer Savage. again? Is it still Hoyer? Um, <laughs> whoever it is, who whoever's the right, backup exactly. to Brady shows up, what, you're gonna be like, oh my, yeah, yeah exactly, and you're like, right, and you're like, uh, but yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and um, it's it's pretty much too like. Um, the, the injuries, I mean, like like Jeff said, too, before, you know, about players play injured a lot. So, you know, I guess the, the part is, is like, well, if you're going to play 18 games, then it just should be, you know, just everybody plays 18 games. But uh, the extra bye week would help. Oh, you you know, got to have but, an extra uh, bye week. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, otherwise, they're going to play injured anyway. I mean, uh, they're playing injured on 16 games. What's the difference between 16 and 18, you know? Well, and I think then, too, Mark, if you have to set out two games on an 18-game schedule when guys are banged up a little bit, they're not going to ask the guy to play through the injuries as much. They'll, they'll rest a week because they have to rest weeks anyway. I, I just – Right. I, I, okay. I haven't had a chance to talk about this issue yet. four-game suspension at the beginning of the year, like <laughs> – yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and the question – well, I think, I think the question is whether or, not, whether or not that suspension would count towards the limit either because he's not getting paid for those games. So would it count? It's another question. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of stuff that has to but be worked also, out. But then also, do you pick up an extra, you have to have extra kickers and punter, long snapper and all that. Yeah, Jeff loves yeah. that. No, those thank guys, you, Mark. We got to roll. Thank you, Mark. Um, all right. See you. Or is it Mike? Mark. No, it's Mark. Mark. Right. So I, go ahead. Uh, yeah, what, real quickly. What, yeah, what's your old take on that? My, my whole take is this, and, I, and it all comes down to money. Okay? And so it comes down to money on both sides of the coin here. The, the players are going to, they will they will happily play 18 games. If you're just going to pay me. One eighteenth of my sa- my salary is going up. Okay, you're not going to take my salary and divide it by eighteen. Yeah, you're getting eighteen game checks instead of sixteen game checks. So that's great, but the game check amount staying the same. No, it's not. But it should. But it can't. Why not? Because you're going to make more money because you have eighteen regular season games. Okay, so. Okay, so listen. Do you, anyway, go the, ahead. I'm sorry, well, I interrupted the, you. My just fault. so everyone knows, the preseason everybody makes the same. Eli Correct. Manning and Tom Brady and I, when I was playing, we all made the same amount of money. I had $1,500, whatever it was. Not very much. 
So now you're going to get two more games. You're going to make your regular. So if you're making a million dollars a game, you're now making 18 million on the season opposed to 16, right? That's fine. However, I don't, I don't, the kickers and the punters, they, 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 they can't carry other guys like that. The roster is just not enough. So those guys will be allowed to play this 18 games in my opinion. Okay. I just do not see how it can work telling the guys that they're not going to play this game or that game from the stamp, from the standpoint of the fans. You can't do that to your fans. I'm, I, I, that's just the way that I feel. Um, and I just think that the whole thing will be come down to money and the player, the players would rather I, listen, I would rather make a million dollars a game if this is what I was making than a 1500, right? Put me in a regular season game, 18. The, the preseason is just a glorified practices or what they are. The third preseason game, the guys play, what, three quarters? And then you add that up, all the other quarters that they play in the other preseason game to come to maybe one and a half games in the preseason that you're really actually playing. Play the two preseason games and put them into the regular season. Be done with it. But you're not going to jip your fans because they will revolt. They really will. That's not going to work. Yeah, to me, look, I don't have an opinion, 16 or 18, whatever. You know, I, I, I get the arguments on both sides, and I understand it, why players wouldn't want to do it, why owners wouldn't want to do it. I understand where both sides are coming from on that. But the whole have 18 but only play 16, there are so many, I think, unintended consequences you're going to get from a decision like that. Things that we haven't even thought of yet. It's like basketball. Remember I mean, when the guys when you remember basketball that well, dude, I, I bought LeBron I want to go we'll see LeBron James he decides to take the game off exactly and how about this it's going to destroy Thursday night football because guess when teams are going to rest all their guys on Thursdays <laughs> yeah. do you know do you know how much Fox paid for that television package mm-hmm. so I just I, you, it, you think they're going to be happy when they show up on Thursday night football and there's two backup quarterbacks and a bunch of schlubs that nobody wants to see well they're not a bunch of schlubs because they're on a 53 man roster you, you understand what I mean though. yeah but you're right. I don't want to listen. I don't want to. Know, I don't want to see the backup quarterback to New England. We don't even know who he is. <laughs> I think. I think Hoyer went back there. I think. It, I think it was Hoyer last year. Anyway. Hey, you want to go to the game this weekend? Guess who's playing? Oh, Brady's out. Oh, no, forget. It. I don't want to go. All right, let's go sell to, my tickets. I think Charlie in Portland, Maine, on line four has been holding the longest. Hey, Chuck. Hey guys. What's, What's up, buddy? Hi. Hey, I'm good. Hey, the curse continues. Unbelievable. All these injuries, five wide receivers. If you don't think there's a curse going on, even my cousin Ralph said there was a curse going on. Well, if your cousin <laughs> Ralph said it, it has to be true. Yeah. That's right. So, Tupac, yeah, you know, you got to. Where's oh, the curse you mean coming Ralph. from? Okay, Where's the curse I coming it. from, Charlie? I want to know who the source of the curse is. <laughs> it's Odell, the it's trade, just, just like Babe Ruth. When they traded Babe Ruth, there okay. was a curse. We've got the Odell curse. And the only way you're going to be able to break that curse is you've got to bring in two Giants, ex-Giants, and one of them is Victor Cruz. He tweeted out, he said, I'm ready to go, and Akeem Nix. You bring those two wide receivers in, the curse is ended. It's done. It's wow. over. I don't think Hakeem Nix can play football anymore. Hey, he's going to be playing for the XS. Why don't you ask Eli? He worked out with him. <laughs> ask him. You see him. Ask okay. him what Nick's looks like. Yeah. And then report back to me, Jeff. You love those ex-giant players. I, I love it. <laughs> now, unfortunately, this, this wide receiver thing has opened the window for Charlie to beat his table on something else besides Will Beatty, which is a good thing, I guess. But, <laughs> but now all we're going to hear about for four weeks Victor is, Cruz. is Ramsey's Barden and Drell <laughs> oh, Jernigan goodness. and Victor Cruz and Akeem Nixon. You know, <laughs> I, you know, 
Ike Hillard, I hear, is in still good shape. Five wide receivers are maybe, gone, all four. Maybe and Imani Tumor. I hear five. Stephen Baker might want to play again. <laughs> <laughs> Phil McConkie might want to get back out there and, and, and play a little bit. Chris uh, Calloway, maybe. Hey, you tell me there is a little curse going on, it John. Just, it, it seems that way, but... How do we how do we buck the curse? Do we have like do we have some dolls we can it's put pins bad. in or something? It's, it's, look, Troy, hey, here, look, Troy, right, Troy. I'll come in and do some sage, burn some sage throughout the Met Life, you know, into the locker room. We can burn out all the bad karma and uh, karma. you know, and I'll do it for free. How's okay. that? Now, Troy, Troy, Troy. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, look, it's not it's not great. It's not ideal. I agree with all that. But let me yeah. but but let me just make this point very quickly. If Shepard's back for the regular season, which by all accounts he should be, okay? Yeah, yeah. And now, we'll see about Tate. That one really hurts. Corey Coleman was going to be at best a third wide receiver. We're not even sure if he was going to win that job. Everyone else that got her is either a rookie or it's a guy towards the bottom of the depth chart. They can still be fine if the Tate thing works out. Now, if the Tate thing doesn't work out and they're without him, that's going to hurt. And look, you can have Lance Mendel can sit here and talk about all the depth in the world with veterans and all these guys, depth this, depth that. Whoever they have on their bench is not going to be as good as Golden Tate. There's a reason Golden Tate got the contract he's got. He's really, really good. So they're going to do their best. But no, is it going to be the same? It's not. But if you can get Sterling Shepard back, remember, this offense did move the ball the final four games of last year with Shepard plus other guy as the second wide receiver. But it puts the pressure on Shepard to be really good, and it puts the the, the pressure rather on Evan Ingram to be really, really good. Now, yeah, well, the thing is, I think the best case scenario with uh, Tate is going to be maybe they'll cut it in half because of the no, circumstances, and he, he was upfront about it, blah blah blah. So he's still going to miss two games anyway. And then, but you were just talking about Ingram, and the thing is, if you, you I keep telling everyone that Ingram is a wide receiver. That's who he is. He's, he's a not. big wide receiver. Treat him like that. And the reason why you put him out there, uh, John, is because. Are they going to put their best cornerback on him? Not if Shepard's out there, and not if uh, you know, and if Tate was playing. Not if Tate's out there. Now you got your third quarterback, cornerback or fourth cornerback on Ingram, and you tell me Ingram can't beat that guy? Damn straight he can. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Let me ask you something. Sure. Would you rather have Ingram going against the safety and or a linebacker or the team's third best cornerback? Hey, I want him answer, answer my question. Yeah, he, answer my question. Would you would you rather <laughs> have Ingram matched up in the passing game against a linebacker or safety can, or a third cornerback? You can do both. You can have him come out of the backfield and then he'll be on a linebacker and then you put him out, you know, put him outside and then he'll be on their third quarter cornerback. You realize you realize even as a tight end they do line Ingram up outside anyway, right? Yeah, yeah but I don't want him blocking. He can't block. Just forget it. He's not a tight end. That's why you got Conrad. You bring him in. He's the blocker. You know, just forget that. No, Make but Charlie, Charlie, don't you understand the, the benefit positions where he's at? The the benefit of pl- coming out in either twelve or twenty two personnel with two tight ends and either a fullback or not a fullback, running play action pass and getting Ingram out in space. Do you know what the difference is in having Ingram in space? against the linebacker or safety versus having Conrad in space against a linebacker and safety. Big it's night and day. It's Big not difference. even comparable. Well, hey, like I said, you can do both. 
But you, I would want that guy on the field as my third wide receiver, or if you want to put him in your 12 package, John, put him in your 12 package. So that's he, fine. That, well, Troy, that, no, but he is going to be on the field. That's my point. If you go out there in 12 personnel, he's lining up as a tight end, but he is, in effect, your third wide receiver, so you're getting the best of both worlds. Teams have to... Here's the thing, Troy. No, but Troy, here's the thing. Troy, here's the thing. Troy, here's the thing, though. And, and, and this is what you're missing. If okay. he's being used only as a wide receiver and the Giants run him out there in, you know, 12 personnel, right? Guys are going to run their nickel and dime package out there because they know the Giants are going to pass the ball because they know Ingram doesn't want... It because in your words, I never want him to block. So teams going to roll out anyways. extra defensive backs, okay? If you're using him as a tight end and you do ask him to block and you're coming out in 12 personnel or 22 personnel, guess what? Other teams are rolling out their base defense, they're not putting extra defensive backs on the field. And that sets up the type of mismatches you're looking for against bigger people. If you convince defenses that you're never going to ask them to block, you're just going to get sub-package all game. And that takes away your advantage. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I do to a certain point, but then if you do it the sub-packages, then you get your fourth and fifth cornerbacks who are terrible out on the field covering Ingram. All right, Charlie, we got to roll. Thanks, pal. All right, guys. But wide, stuff. wide receivers still have to block. If he's going to be a wide receiver, he's still going to be asked to block. And so. look, I'm not I'm not selling you Evan Ingram as you know Mark Babari here blocking either. But he's also not Larry Donnell. <laughs> Thank God. I mean, we used to watch tape of him trying to block. Well, that whole group that year couldn't block. Remember, horrible. the The bottom line is that Evan Ingram. Put him in the 12, put him in the 22, whatever it is. He needs to be inside to create matchups that it will win. And this is what the game's all about. And by the way, just so people know, 22 personnel was running back, fullback, two tight ends, one wide receiver, 12, one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. And that's how it works. Basically, the way the number system works, folks, the first number is the number of running backs. So running backs and fullbacks together. The second number is your number of tight ends. So you put those together. One and two. The You always have... Five ineligible receivers, which is your offensive lineman, and then your quarterback. So you have five skill position players. However many you have left, five minus whatever the running back tight end is, that's how many wide receivers you have on the field. So in 11 personnel, you have one running back, one tight end. You know you have five skill position guys. What does that mean? That means you have three wide receivers on the field. That's how the number system works. All right, we're going to take these three more callers, then we're going to play our game with Jeff, then we're going to say goodbye. Goodbye. Let's go to Mike in Florida. He's up next. Hey, Mike. What up, Mike? Hey guys, how you doing? Good, We're great. Uh, you know, I thought I, I felt bad that uh, I thought I had too much time when I was comparing uh, Jeff Fiegel's statistics to Ray Guy's. But when I hit Charlie, I feel a lot better about myself. <laughs> You're not the only one to ever say that, by the way. <laughs> oh, Mike, I am going to go back, put that on tape, and I'm going to put that I'm, on my instant replay. That was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I'm writing it down. Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nicks. <laughs> oh, Seriously. God. I would love to see Victor Cruz in the Giants uniform again. Don't get me wrong, but come. Is he, all right, forget it. Be gone. Um, yes. Yes, sir. Out of, out of um, all the stadiums you, you kicked in, mm-hmm. what, was the, what was the one when you looked at the schedule that you dreaded the most? Um... Anywhere in the Northeast in December, <laughs> that would be basically the answer to that. The Midwest probably wasn't great um, either, though. Like Green Bay and Chicago, that re- must have been stinky. Chicago by far, 
probably Chicago if it was on on no matter what, even in the cold weather, it's very windy there. Very very windy. Uh, the other one that yeah, a lot of Lake Michigan. I know that I was in the Navy. Uh, sure. The Great Lakes and. Uh, I was there October through December, so I know about that. That's, the other, the other one stuff. that you wouldn't, you wouldn't really think of would be um, the stadium in Washington is not fun to kick in either. It's really? Windy. Yeah, it's a windy. RFK was great. RFK was a, a fun stadium. FedEx to kick is in. bad though. FedEx is bad. Very, the, the field is horrible. It's windy there. How about Buffalo? Buffalo too. Yeah, that's a yeah. That one's and really because it's a short, short stadium. It's not very high. The wind is mm. brutal. So, anyways, what's your next question? What about what, what about mile, mile high when we kicked there? Oh, he that must was have the loved best. Mile oh high. my god, that, that was you could kick there for all day. I mean, the ball just hung in the air and it went far. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun yeah. place to play. Uh, probably the god. most rowdiest place that I hated to play was when I was probably in probably in Philly or Oakland. By far, Oakland is the worst. Oakland, I swear to you, half of them are on work furlough that day from prison. Oh. That's how bad it is. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And I, and I have a feeling that, that, that Al Davis used to pay people to stand behind that bench and just heckle the heck out of the kickers and punters in this kicking net that they never watched the game. They just sat there and sat there and yelled and screamed at us. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. You're going to laugh at this. I went to the Thank Oakland you, Raider you game, and I was with the C Seahawks. I went in, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, what do they call it? The, the, um, the black hole. It's like that one end zone. Sure. I went to warm up in the black hole. You always start at the end, one part of the end zone. I am in the back of the end zone. It's, and it's crazy behind me. There was a guy that ran over from the Raider bench. He ran over to me and he said, Mr. Fiegels, Mr. Davis would like you to move up to the 10 yard line. He doesn't feel comfortable with you punting how close you are to the, to the fans right there. Because he thought the fans would like throw something yeah, at you. They, they said, "Can you just move up to the ten yard line?" <laughs> That's the truth. I said, uh, "No problem." If Mr. Davis wants me to move up, I'm moving up. Okay, don't worry about it. That was the black hole. There's gonna swallow me up. <laughs> the dog pound is fun too. With the old dog pound back in the day, that was pretty rowdy too. How about the hogs in D.C.? Were they good also, or or not as bad? Um, all the no. guys that put the pig faces on no, all that stuff. Nothing. No, that's no, nothing. No, no. Okay. But Oakland's the worst. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. I think Scott in New Mexico was next. Pearson, let's go to him online too. What's up, Scott? Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. How you doing today? Good. 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 I'll make it brief. I only have really one question. Sure. Uh, there's a number of holdouts uh, in the league this year. Trent Williams, Michael Thomas. The Ezekiel Elliott is, is the one I'm really interested in. And also, I think Melvin Ingram is held enough from the Chargers. Do you, do you see a trend Gordon. that this is something that was established with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell doing it last year? And with Ezekiel Elliott specifically, do you think that will be rectified? Because that might directly impact the Giants. And I was just curious what you think the trend is going to be with yeah. These uh, great players just deciding they don't want to, they want to get the big money now, and uh, that was really my only question. Now I'll take it off the air, guys. Great. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. I mean, player empowerment has always been a thing, Jeff, and we've seen this in seasons past. So I think maybe a little bit more now. Uh, yeah, we can got to get them off there for me. Um, I think we've seen them a little bit more. <laughs> there we go. Now we got it. Um, and by the way, I think we lost um, Jeff. Jeff, you want to call right back? I will uh, get you back on the Air Force, all right? Um, player empowerment has always been a thing, Jeff. I think maybe we're seeing a little bit more now than we had in the past, but we've always seen guys kind of hold out. Do you think it's a lot more than it used to be? Um, no, I don't. I think there was a lot more holdouts. There used to be a lot more than there are now. But these, these, these holdouts now are costing these guys a lot of money. 
Um, well, not not quite. Once you start missing regular season games, like you said, that's when the big money starts coming off, right? But you get fined. No, you do get fined. That's true. Yeah, and it's thirty thousand dollars a day. Something like is it, that. Is it 30? Well, it's, it's, here's the trick, it's, though. It's, it's, it's a, uh, a lot of times when the player eventually signs a contract, doesn't the team refund those fines back a lot of the time? I, I, I can't answer that because I, I don't know for sure. So I don't want to say You held out yes so many no. times. How do you not know that? <laughs> I got them all rescinded when I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think, is it a trend? I don't think it's a – I just think it's guys just want, their, want to get their money and being impatient. Mm-hmm. They sign their deal. I mean, I'm always a true believer that once you sign a deal – you're you're good for it, right? Until they want to renegotiate it, or you play it out. Um, and and Le'Veon Bell, you know, look at he lost fifteen million dollars last year by sitting out. Did he get paid this year? Yes, he did. But uh, you know, is Ezekiel Elliott um, Antonio? Or is he's not? He's not Le'Veon Bell. I can tell you that. No, and he. By the way, he has two years left on his deal, not one, which Bell had. Okay. So yeah, see. I think he's trying to prove a point, and I get it. Running backs have, have a low shelf life. We've talked about that more than anybody over the past few sure, years. I get it. But I, I don't think that Jones is going to get – remember, the Jerry Jones let Emmett Smith miss two games back in 1993. And as good as Ezekiel Elliott, he's not Emmett Smith. Uh, you got to be careful. you got to be careful. I mean, you, you lose a lot You lose a lot in this. Now, the, the important thing for Giant fans here is it, does game. he come back so late that he can't really do much in that first game? Well, it depends on how much he's doing. Now, I mean, is he at a diner eating every day? I don't know. He looks like a guy that could lose a little bit. Of, like he could he could go the other way if he's not doing something, right? I was going to say the same exact thing. <laughs> don't you thing. agree? I totally agree with you. <laughs> I could just see him like get, get a picture. Whoa, what happened to him? Yeah, you know, yeah like he's the guy when he retires about three or four years later, it's like. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But um, I would be shocked if he's not playing week one against the Giants. Now, and, and is how that, early uh, he reports. I yeah. don't know, but I'd be shocked if he missed games. Yeah, I would be too. I, 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 he's not. I remember he's they not. they have two guys on expiring deals, Prescott and Cooper, that they're trying to take care of first, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Which is probably really what's making him so mad. It's like, really? What about me? You know, I'm 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 Ezekiel Elliott this here. Is, this is also the guy that missed half a year two years ago because he got suspended for being yeah. an idiot. So there's a lot of yeah. There's just a lot. That, that that's a tough. I'd say the Cowboy. That I mean. Cowboys, that's there's always something going on. There. And by the way, I shouldn't say for being an idiot, for doing something or being accused of doing something off the field. That that that's obviously pretty heinous. So yes, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, we got one more call. Then we're gonna play our game. We'll go a little right. past two here. Sorry, Pearson. Let's go to Jeff Rhode Island. He's up next. What's All right, up, Jeff? Jeff. Nice to have you back. Hey, Jeff. fellas. How you doing today, guys? We're great. Good. All right, Johnny. You were you were right about Brian Hoyer, number one. Ah, there um, we go. Okay, so thank it's you. Yeah. So uh, you get points for that. Um, yeah, uh, if I was Evan Engram, I mean, to me, his, his sole purpose on the Giants is to, to create a mismatch against uh, an opposing linebacker. Or safety. Period. Take your pick. That's, that's, that's the end of the story right there. Yep. So I hope I'm not hearing about that all summer from our friend up in Maine. By the way, Jeff, he's not the only one. I, I, there no, was we've a, heard it all, all offseason. No, no, there was a beat reporter that asked Shermer about that yesterday. Yeah, no, I'm sure, what did he, he say? He said no. He's not, he's not, <laughs> he's not a wide receiver. That's Correct. It. I mean, yeah. come on. You're not no, Charlie said he is. And, and, and by the way, Jeff, that's my fault. I should have said that when Charlie called. Pat Shermer was asked about that a couple days ago, oh, and he's like, you yeah, no, he's a tight end. Come on. Come on, yeah, folks. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about the X-Man, but uh, I was kind of disappointed to see uh, you're not doing the training camp live reports this year. Actually, they uh, yeah, it'll be on MSG tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't have MSG. No, sorry here, about so that. I can't, you know. 
Unless you want to hook me up with that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help you there, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. But how, uh, I know it's really early, but uh, anything from the X-Men? Um, yeah, I haven't watched him specifically. He got in the backfield a bunch of second day of practice. Um, but I, I'd like to, I'm going to try to focus on him more. I'm going to really do a lot of O-line, D-line work the next two padded practice days with uh, okay. Dexter and Zimenez. So I'll have yep. a better feel for it then. Okay, I'll get back to you then. Thank All right, you. thank, you, thank you, Jeff. Guys. Yep, All right. You're welcome. Feeds, you want to play your game real quick? Yeah, come on. Here we go. We got three, at least yep. three, right? We got him. We got him. We got him. Here we go. Everyone's favorite game. I like this. Play. We'll be quick, man. Jeff Fiegels. I don't have a great memory. Kirsten, listen to this game. Wow. This is Hundreds a great game. Fiegels with the eagle. Let's see who Jeff remembers. You can make a mockery of my memory. Here's your host. That was just. And he does. All right, here we go, Mr. Fiegels. You ready to go? Yeah. Did you play with? Deems May. Oh, come on. Put me down for a win on this one, folks. Yes, I did. Seattle long snapper. He was the long snapper? Yep, and tight end. There you go. Second one? It's the second time I got caught with the long Yo, snapper wait. in two straight weeks. <laughs> they don't list long snapper on the report. You know? That's your own. That's so? That's an advantage to yeah, me. Yeah, that is an advantage to you. Did you play with Kerry Joseph? Did you play with Kerry Joseph. Yes, I did with Kerry Joseph. He Where was a teammate of mine within the Arizona Cardinals. Or was it Seattle? No, it was Seattle. It was Seattle. It was the card. It was Seattle, but you said Cardinal, so you are incorrect, sir. It was Seattle. It was Seattle. That is correct. Kerry yes. Joseph. Do you remember what position he played? Uh, he was a running back. <laughs> Defensive, Defensive back. back. Okay, yeah, that, that's definitely a loss. Then yeah, I never I remember his name. <laughs> I remember his name. Did you play with <laughs> Jonas Seawright? No. Oh wait, no. Yes, I did. Did I play with C. Wright? Oh, he's with here. Did with you the, play he was with, with the Giants? Did you play with Jonas? Yes, C. I did. Yeah, I did. Two thousand nine. Now, well, 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 you have what? What position did he play? D lineman. Correct. You are right. There we go. That final there. one. Final right. one. Did Start you play two with two for three? Two for three. Daryl Smith. Did you play with Daryl Smith? Yeah, another Smith. Daryl Smith of all people. Daryl Smith. I think I did. Daryl Smith. You have no idea. No, because Daryl Smith is a basketball player, probably. Did you play with Daryl Smith? No, I didn't. He was, wasn't he on, wasn't he on the... <laughs> you did play with Daryl Smith. He was an offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles of 1990 to 1992. Great. Daryl Smith. All right, two for two today. I mean, two for four. Two for four. Two for that's, four. About my, that's about my average, 50%. You're at, you know? f- you're at 14 and 12 on the year. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. All right, we'll see you next time. I did not get to your tweets, guys. I'm sorry. I'll get to them later in the week. Even promise you. I promise you. you. I know. Hold on. Okay, let's get get one real quick. Alonzo Russell from um, this is from AJ Marshall. Alonzo Russell continues to press a training camp, making plays, someone to keep an eye on. Bigger guy, not super fast, young, um, but he's one of those guys that has size. Okay, I don't know much about him. I will. I will look at number him. 84 just to give you an idea. Right. I look at him. All I see is Larry Donnell. He's 6'4", 218 because he's built similarly to him. Yeah. But yep. he's a big guy. Okay. So Charlie wants a guy that looks like a tight end that plays wide receiver. Well, there you go. Alonzo Russell. That should make Six him happy. Foot four. Appreciate it, guys. Good Have stuff. Good Thank you, Jeff. We'll You're see you welcome. tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live back at 1. Practice is back as well at 245. We'll see you then. Adios.